Kia ora, I'm Laura Clark, the British High Commissioner to New Zealand. Welcome to another episode of Tea with the High Commission, the British High Commission's podcast, where we interview a range of interesting people talking about anything and everything, and in the process discover the great connections between the UK and New Zealand. Hi, my name is Joanna. I'm the Communications Manager at the British High Commission in Wellington. Currently, the ICC Cricket World Cup is going on in England and Wales, and we thought that was a, a great excuse to invite former Black Cap Grant Elliott to chat all things cricket and discuss his amazing career. Grant, thank you so much for being here. Absolute pleasure. Really, really appreciate the time that you've taken. This podcast is going to be full of some interesting accents with, with mine and yours. So just to explain to people who may not know about your history, so you're born in South Africa, moved here 2001 and eventually made your Black Caps debut 2008. What was it that drew you to New Zealand? Um, I actually came in 2003. Oh no, okay, so for yeah. fire the researcher. Yeah, <laughs> so you've got to check your stats before <laughs> we go on with this. Um, there's a lot of false stats out there. I wouldn't search Wikipedia. Um, yeah, I, I actually had a contract dispute. It was really interesting. So I was in Holland, had a contract dispute and couldn't go back to South Africa and play as a professional. So I was searching for somewhere else to play and there was a few Kiwis playing in Holland at the time. Because as you do as a cricketer, your off-season is either in England, which I played a number of times in England and Ireland, um, and this time I was playing in Holland. So I approached the Kiwis and they said, oh, you know, I can organise you at my club as a club professional. So I thought, well, I'd gone there when I was 17. Uh, loved it and thought, why not? So I moved to New Zealand, Christchurch initially and played for Marist Club as a um, player coach. Bit of a change from Holland then, I'm guessing. Actually, weather-wise, kind of similar. Yeah, I think it's kind of similar to Europe uh, and England. Um, not not like the high felt, though, not like Johannesburg. You know, on a bad day, it's 17, and you're like, oh, it's a bit chilly today. So I've had to adapt to the weather. But I, I think the, the toughest thing for me has been to leave I guess my foundations and what I built up in South Africa to leave that behind. I mean, I loved South Africa as a country and had some great moments as a, as a child being brought up there. But to push that aside and then just look forward and in the present to not look back. And I think if you immigrate, that's an important thing to do because otherwise you, you constantly live in the past. So I love New Zealand, love Wellington, built up family here and yeah, I'm, I'm here to stay. And how did you find the New Zealand crowd? Like, do you feel that you were kind of welcomed in Christchurch? Or? Oh, not in Christchurch. That's probably the only only crowd uh, nationwide that were. <laughs> no, they're all right. I made some really good friends in Christchurch. They just, let, let's say, very passionate when the international team plays. Um, but no, I mean, I think the Kiwi culture is probably, um, it's shown through the players. And I think sports is a great measure of where a country's at. And you can see the black caps, you know, show a lot of empathy, respect, humility when they play. And I think that that's indicative of the um, New Zealand culture. Mm. Since I've got you here, it would be ridiculous not to bring up the fact that you're responsible for probably one of the most all-time famous moments in NZ cricket history in the previous World Cup in 2015, when you smashed a six on the second to last ball against South Africa to secure your spot in the final. Can you walk us through what you were feeling before you, you took that shot? It was did you feel the pressure? Did you, you know, what was going through your mind? Well, I think as sportsmen, we, we're taught to not feel pressure. So you've been given all the tools, but I mean, that was the most pressurized situation I'd been in. You know, you've got 40,000 people 
watching at Eden Park, and Eden Park is, um, you know, historically a rugby ground, so the crowd's a lot closer than it would be in most cricket grounds, and it was, I felt the pressure, like, you know, you had to use the old breathing techniques, and a lot of fear of failure goes through your head, and that's something that you constantly fight as a sports person, is that fear of failure, and something that I fought my whole career, but I felt like it was one of those moments where it's fight, flight, or freeze, and I had no option but to, to fight. And unfortunately for Dale, I hit the ball for six. And fortunately for me and my teammates, uh, we got over the line and into our first ever World Cup final. And it was the greatest thing is feeling that relief that you've done your job or your role in the team. But then to see the, you know, the elation from, from all your teammates and how happy they are to share in the victory of, of going through to our first ever World Cup final. At that moment, um you know, as you're celebrating the win, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned the New Zealand cricket, the Black Caps, you're taught to be humble. So after you, you got that shot, you stopped and you helped up the bowler who was lying on the ground after the six. How did that come about? Because I think that just demonstrates just a lot of um, humility that you, you stopped to celebrate to, to help up a, a fellow player. What Was that conscious or did it just kind of happen in the moment? I think, um, you know, it's something my parents have taught me is, you know, treat everyone how you would want to be treated. And I think at that moment, I mean, sport, even though it, it can bring a nation together one moment like that, uh, it's still, you, you need to respect the people that you play against. And, you know, they were obviously going through some serious heartache. And maybe being, you know, former South African, I'd gone through a lot of heartache when I was supporting the Proteas in my younger years, and they'd been through some awful World Cup moments that are just like, you know, bizarre how they lost the game. I could feel the way that they were hurting. So, you know, once the game's done, it's done, and you share a beer and, you know, you ha have a chat to people and you're, you're all equal. You can put on whatever mask you want on the field, but as soon as that last ball is bowled, I think that's when you can take the mask off and you just be a decent human. And, you know, we hear it with the All Blacks is it's about being, you know, a good person first and good people uh, make great All Blacks. So um, I think that that mantra kind of does filter in through the cricket team as well. And that's really, really nice to hear as well. And um, you mentioned that you, you've basically played across the world, England, South Africa, India, New Zealand, Holland. Between those different nations, is there a different style of playing or is there, is there a different culture within the teams? Um, is there anything that you particularly picked up from one one country I realize it's a bit of a wide wide question but I'm going to throw it at you anyway well I, I think when you go over you play club cricket right um, unless you're playing county cricket which is professional there are conditions that you have to adapt to like at Holland you, you play on a matted wicket so it's coconut matting which being the player coach like I was the one in charge of like rolling the wickets and making sure like I'd stretch the coconut matting if you stretched it it was it meant it was going to be quick and if you didn't stretch it as much it would be slow and turn so there was that in Holland um, Ireland you know green like sort of sticky they call them pudding wickets uh, it's slow and it seems so you had to adapt to conditions but I mean for me, cricket was about um, you know embracing other cultures, getting to know other cultures, but then also making friends along the way. And I think you know if you're a decent person in your career, you'd finish your career with a lot of friends and a lot of people who I guess that you have that mutual respect for. And um, that's pretty pretty cool because I mean financially, maybe the top five percent in cricket really do make it. Um, and if you don't, you've got to come out of the game with uh, some really good team skills and, and good mates, so you can look back in your career and go. That was a, an awesome time in my life. That's a really good way to look at life. And um, I'm really proud that I just learned a cricket fact that I didn't know about coconut 
Matting, who knew? <laughs> so that's going to be my new, my new line of, did you know this? I'm going to totally <laughs> steal that from you. Um, so you just briefly mentioned that you did play county cricket in the UK. Um, interested to know like why you went over there, how was your experience, because it's a bit of a, a different culture. Yeah, oh, it was awesome. Uh, I love playing county cricket. Uh, I wish I'd done it earlier. In fact, I, I sort of looked like I was going to go and play county cricket around about 31 years of age um, and go across as a Colpac player. But I did that at the latter start of my, my career and loved it at Birmingham. I think you just get treated like a, a true professional and like an employee, which is quite nice. Whereas in New Zealand, you you know, you contracted for six months of the year um, and just for a year at a time. Uh, even if you're playing for the Black Caps, you're contracted for one year, whereas you can be contracted up to sort of three years in, in England. So, you know, they're having that, that respect to, with you as an employee and feeling real, really part of something is is quite cool. And um, I captained in my last year there and... Um, we played a finals day at Edgebaston with 25,000 people, which was amazing. Uh, I loved it. It's, it's a great place to play cricket. When you retired, you wrote that your dream had been to play county cricket, international cricket, and in World Cup. You achieved all of them. Um, is it too tough a question to ask you to pick one as a career highlight? What, what really stands out for you? No, uh, I think, you know, it is tough to pick one. I think the the whole career, like when you look back at your whole career, there's so many ups and downs. Like cricket's a game of failure and it's about how you adapt to failure. And there's so many times during my career where I thought, oh, I'm going to retire here, it's just too hard. And I just kept going. So I think that resilience side of things and the ability to just push on um, and persevere has been something that I'm quite proud of in my, my career and when I was 12 years of age, I actually I had to do an autobiography, and that's where I wrote all those goals down. So I do believe that if you write your goals down, you should aim as high as possible. Unfortunately, I didn't aim high enough. What I should have done is say, I want to be one of the best players in the world. That way I wouldn't have just been happy about making the team. Maybe I would have pushed it a little bit further. So I do believe in goals, and uh, I think dreams. It's nice to wake up with a drive to do something special. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be in a, a business now where I'm mixing technology with cricket. As we're speaking, Cricket World Cup is taking place in England and Wales. From your perspective, I mean, and it's difficult to say as well because this podcast is going to be discovered from like years from now. But at this time, any teams that performances are exciting you? If you'd spoken to me two weeks ago, I would have said England will win this thing. But now I'm not too sure. I think uh, <laughs> I almost feel like... The media pressure in England is going to be intense because they've lost a few games yeah. that they shouldn't have. Mm. So um, I think India look like favourites, I would say. But if England can just get their foot in the door into semi-finals, I still, I still believe England were my favourites going into the team, as in favourites to win, not favourite team to support. Um, but I India, England, New Zealand and um, Australia are your top four, I think. But we might see a little surprise, either of Pakistan, Bangladesh or England for that fourth place. And you're going to like a total genius in like a couple of weeks when this is out and if you've got it right as well. So. Or do you want me to predict the winner? <laughs> you're like the octopus for the, the football <laughs> World Cup. No, I, I won't force you to do Don't that. Don't put me in a water tank before <laughs> the game. No, we're mu much nicer to our guests some, sometimes. And finally, I, I think it is fair to say that you're a Kiwi cricket legend. Um, off the microphone, you kind of debated that, but I, I think it's, it's fair, so I'm going to go with it. <laughs> um, 
that was really interesting you mentioned about writing down your goals and being 12 and having those goals so clear is amazing but can you share the, the secret to your success is there any one thing if you were speaking to a young player that you wish someone had either told you or what's your kind of I'm kind of basically trying to just steal what made you so amazing and then see if I can implement it in my life I've kind of got this mantra where I say you know prepare like you care but play like you don't care and that's sort of making sure that you you really do work hard you're disciplined if it is your dream if you're passionate about it but when you play you have to express yourself and just enjoy it and I think if you're not doing that then there's a problem because that's how you're going to get the best out of yourself is when you feel comfortable in your own skin you're not trying to do what someone else wants you to do you're not trying to be a player that someone else wants you to be it's just to be your authentic self and just go and express yourself you're so wise (laughs) (laughs) Um, and lastly so for our podcast series one thing that we've asked incredibly successful people is there anything that still makes you nervous I, I think sometimes it's good for younger people to hear that it doesn't matter how how successful you get in life we've all got things that we need need to work on so is there any one thing that you're kind of like actually that still gets me that still kind of gets my heart going and my stomach kind of going as well well I do like keynote speaking that's like I don't particularly like speaking but it does make me real nervous. I get that fear of failure, like I used to get with cricket. So it kind of, it does make me feel like I'm playing cricket again. But I think, you know, just say yes to everything. Like every opportunity you have, it's an opportunity to grow and learn. And I think we fear failure too much, especially in this age of social media and, you know, how it can be, I guess, magnified. So, you know, it's fine failing. Um, I think that if we can take that as a learning, then we're growing as a person. The more we fail, the more we learn, the more we grow. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, that that went into getting areas that I didn't expect a, a podcast about cricket to go, but <laughs> no, that, that's really brilliant. Um, thank you again, again so much and great to have you. You're no, welcome back anytime. Thank you very much for having me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review as it helps others find us. And remember, you can subscribe to us by searching for Tea with the High Commission on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you. Kakiti anō.